estás atrapado en el tráfico. Pero luego hay una recompensa para ti. Una modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Mantienes la calma a pesar de las bocinas, las largas filas y los gritos. ¡Muévete! Así que al llegar a casa, sírvete esta dorada y refrescante lager. Porque tú sabes que tu paciencia vale oro. Tú eres un luchador y esta es tu recompensa. Modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Todo con medida, importada por Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. You turn if you want to. No, no, seriously, do. It's fine. This is Nonsensored, and I am Harriet Langley Swindon. Hello and welcome to the show. This is the podcast detailing the wonderful highlights of my wonderful radio show. I'm Harriet Langley Swindon and I am joined, as always, by producer Martin. Hello, Martin. Hello, Harriet. How are you feeling this week? Well, Martin, I mean, it's been quite a week. I mean, it's all been about the Conservative Party conference. No other news to talk about, really, but... uh, Oh, I I had so much fun. Yes, yes, certainly um, some real scenes going down there, all sorts going on. I mean, I I guess that's what's going to happen when you get all of the world's leaders in one room. I guess that's that's, that's sort of what you'd call it. Quite. But this is really, it's a really brilliant show today. We speak to the Prime Minister herself. We have, of course, Ishan Akbar in the studio. And we had a phone call from a wonderful caller, uh, which we want to share with everyone. And we have an interview with Natasha Devon, which was, well, you know, uh, we, we have to make room for these rather wokey people once in a while. We did, of course, we, we didn't have room for everything, did we, Martin? There were some things we had to cut. How could we? How could we? I mean, you know, I don't think we make a big enough deal of the fact that we have consistently had prime ministers on our show on an almost prime... weekly basis. It's it, Most other shows don't get that. I know. It's really, it's, it, it's, uh, I don't know why people don't draw more attention to it. And we also had, I mean, talking of, of leaders of countries, we had um, Vladimir Zelensky on. Uh, unfortunately, we... We had he phoned in, but we did we did have to cut that for, for the podcast because oh, we just I just felt Martin it was just the same old same old and you have to look at what the people want and I look at my my Twitter users and their Twitter avatars have stopped being Ukrainian flags so I, I don't feel right. people are really interested in in that anymore so uh, sorry Vladimir it's a real yeah. shame because I liked I liked the way he sort of personalised his message to us made lots of references to uh, different radio stations so that we'd understand it um, it was a uh, very stirring speech. Maybe we can add it on the extras. Stirring but unnecessary. Uh, but we had to cut that. Also, uh, Therese uh, Kofi came in to talk to us, but I don't remember any of it. Do you? Um, no, I don't, actually. It's, it's weird. Like, I, I know it definitely happened, but yes. it's just hard to remember any one thing that was mentioned. Me too. Really, really strange. Really strange there. Quite a blackout. But we did have our Prime Minister. Uh, Really wonderful chat here. I mean, she was completely off the walls after her great success in the conference. Let's take a listen. Prime Minister. Oh, you must be absolutely buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. Yes, I am like a bee and there'll be lots more of those under this government, we love bees. Wonderful. I didn't know about the the bees, but I'm sure you'll be 
talking about that very soon. Now, what I really want to talk to you about is the the great success of the Tory conference. How was it for you? As you can tell from all the very accurate reporting, it has been a complete success. Everyone is saying how well that I and my new regime are doing. Well done, me. Now, I obviously I completely agree with you, but there was a bit of trouble, wasn't there? There was a no. there was some protesters outside. Oh. And I mean, didn't you didn't you get pushed over by a by a protester? No. No. None of that happened. No, I I think it I in fact, I think we've got some footage of it actually. Uh no. You were you were pushed over by a protester. No, I I no? I know what you're referring to and there's no footage mm-hmm. of it because it didn't happen. No, no. The left are weak, which is why they are losing to us in every poll. Right. Well, no, Prime Minister, I mean I don't I don't want to argue with you, but I I am a journalist. And mm. uh, you know, I do do my my job, and mm. and I I do believe that, that that's that's what happened. No. Oh, mm. Okay, so I'll I'll just stand down and not play the footage. Yes, don't play the, the, okay. the. We we'll we'll cut the footage because uh, should, obviously it's there's shall I there's cut, no footage. Shall I cut the um? We we've got a, a little loop of the Benny Hill theme that was playing. Outside the conference, shall I cut that? Martin, as well? that's our song. Our song. That Martin oh. Benny Hill themes our song. Oh. He knows um, that. That's <laughs> well, uh, mistrust. We, we really shouldn't. I mean, it's not like there is actually anything going on. So Martin's been not, chasing me all over conference. You suggest Martin. I, I, I don't think you should be chasing the prime minister. She is married. No, I mean, I, so, I, 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 as am I. One ring to rule them all. I don't know what that means, but it. It's it's a lovely ring. Thank um, you, Martin. And he you are quite powerful, so I'm just going to mm. be quiet now. I think I'm the most powerful woman ever. Um, Harriet, should I delete those tweets where we said she got pushed over to then? No, or, no, or... no, 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 no. Let's let's let the viewers make up their own minds. No need to do that. Right. The other one thing that I did want to mention is, of course. Um, well, you, you've now done a, a U-turn, haven't you, on that, that top tax rate? Um, yes. I don't know um, Because the top tax rate, it was good and right and very popular that it went, but it was also a distraction from all the other good things that were in the budget, for example, the other things. So we took it away yes, like, so that like it could the... no longer distract. Well, I Very think that good. answers the question. I mean, Martin, I don't know when you started asking the questions. To be honest, I, and no, I didn't. I, didn't, I just, I, I do you know I what I didn't. Ask, I, do you, I didn't ask it because I thought that was very clear. I thought that was very clear from from um, everything the prime minister had said, uh, yes. and and her wonderful wonderful speech, which was a it was a brilliant speech. And um, I'd love you. to talk about uh, some aspects of it. Like uh, you, you, you brought brought the country's attention. I think to the anti-growth coalition. Yes. I mean, sends shivers down my spine, my spine even, even saying it. Um, I was so please. excited to unveil 
this new revelation, the anti-growth coalition. They're everywhere. They include all of the Labour Party, half Mm -hmm. of my party, all the other parties, some of my cabinet, Greenpeace, the British Pound, and oil and gas, Shell. That's their part of the anti-growth coalition. Awful lot of forces conspiring there against growth. Yes, I know. And that's the anti-growth coalition. And we must oust them, rip out their hearts, tear their lanyards away. Do it. Do it now, Britain. Oh, this is strong stuff. Well, we've got to stop them from stopping the growing of the pie. Right. Go out into your garden. Put a pie on the ground. Cover it in soil. Water it with water and watch it grow. This is, I believe, what is known as a metaphor, a word I just learned. Yeah. Oh, okay. The pound is at a three-week high currently. Is it? Mm. Oh, see. Well done, me. This is just not reported on, is it? Well done, you. Not enough. Well Mm. done, you. In, In a way, you could just say the only way is up. Couldn't you? It's it's a non-stop uh, upward gradient from here, one would hope. Um, yes. That's almost the truth. Another 90s classic. It's I love a... things like that. Well, Prime Minister, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can't wait to see what you do next. Uh, the only way is up. Yes, full, full, full of up. Now, we wanted to hear how you felt the Prime Minister's speech went and the conference. So we had many, many phone calls. But the best one we had by far, wasn't it, Martin, was by another Martin. Oh, yes, I've got to say. And it wasn't preferential treatment. It wasn't just because he's called Martin. Please don't, uh, if you're phoning in, please don't just tell me that you're called Martin. That'll be very confusing very quickly. Yes, we've had enough Martins now. Anyway, let's take a listen. Now, on the line, we have Martin from Exeter. Martin, welcome to the show. Hello, I've got through. Am I on the show now? Yes, you are. You are on the show. And it's wonderful to have another Martin in in my ears, so to speak. Now, Martin, you've just watched Liz Truss's speech, I believe, in the comfort of your own home. So have I. What were your thoughts? Yes, I watched it on the BBC. Um I decided to give her a go. Do you know what I mean? I, I, what I've decided, I haven't yes. made my mind up yet. I haven't made my mind up on her yet. So I thought I'd watch the speech and give it a go. Because, you know, the Conservative government, they're, what, 12 years old now? Well, I, I don't know. They're, they're quite new, really. Well, there's, an, there's two ways of looking at it, isn't there? They're either a month old or they're 12 years old. But you wouldn't want a 12-year-old in, 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 responsible for anything. Do you know what I mean? I, they're, not, they're, they're still a new relatively new government like I have a 12 year old son I wouldn't trust a 12 year old with anything yes so they're still bedding in that's a very good way of putting it they're still bedding in mm-hmm. do you know what I mean they're not really yes. in their teens yet you know they might be growing pubes they're working it out they're still working it out as they go along do you know what I, mean? I, I didn't really know where I was going with my life until I was in what my mid-30s so we've got to wait. Do you think, Martin, that the, what we really need then is the Tories to stay in power for, say, another uh, 20-odd years before we can really ascertain 
whether they are doing the country any good. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I mean, it, it doesn't. I know it doesn't seem ideal, mm. but I don't see any other option because the alternative is Labour, and and you know. That, yeah, they, they might, communism. Yeah. Well, well, we don't know. We don't know what Labour is essentially. Is a la- is it a newborn baby? If we bring them in, that's just a. You're asking a newborn to look after a country, essentially. I realize I don't know if I'm stretching a yes. metaphor here, but you see what I'm saying. Do you see what I'm getting at? Oh, it it makes perfect sense yes. to me, Martin. Um, coming <laughs> coming from you know from one Martin to another, <laughs> I think I think you've got a. You've got a real good point there. Um, I wonder if maybe I could sort of help the analogy at all by uh, reminding you that um, in in dog years, uh, 13 would actually be about the lifespan that you you might want to expect. So, um, right. you know, technically you would be nearing the end of your um, of your natural lifespan if you were a dog in Parliament. Um I don't know if that helps things or right. What? Sorry, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we've gone from babies to dogs here. I well, I, I just wonder. I don't know about this. I mean, what I am getting is maybe the answer is a dictatorship because look, I know dictatorships they get a bit of a hard rap, but uh, Martins, I think you'll you'll both agree the good thing about dictatorship is they really stay there for a long time, and I think lots of dictatorships have shown that they get better with age. And sometimes, you know, things can go wrong, like um, war. But otherwise, I think dictatorships show a wisdom of age that perhaps little democracies don't really get a chance to show with their sort of, you know, little little five-year, ten-year rules. No, I see what you're getting at. Mm. I went to Dubai. I went to six-star six yes. hotels there. It's fine. It's at, it, The weather's lovely. Yep, yep. The hotels are clean. There's no crime. Yes, it works. We've—I don't know if that would work in this country. With the, the problem is, we've—I think we've had enough of politicians, haven't we? What we need is the people running things. So, what if we were to come up with some kind of system where uh, people—you you couldn't have anyone running the country—but there'd be some people who wanted to run the country, and then you get a few of them together, and then they would say what they would do if they ran the country. And then you could have some kind of a vote. And through that, you could decide who ran the country. That, I mean, that, that does sound quite interesting to me. Would they be um, trained in somehow? these? I mean, these would be people that went to university, maybe some of the best, you know, top top universities. Uh, and then we could, we could assess whether we like them through some kind of, um, like a, a, gen, a, a more general election that everyone gets to, to cast a vote in. Yes, I suppose you could call it that, couldn't you? I don't know. Look, this is a very, I mean, it's a very interesting idea, but it sounds a bit, I, I don't know, it sounds like one of those ideas that don't really work in practice. Do you know what I mean? Like socialism or, or communism. It's like poached eggs. It's poached eggs, they don't work in practice. Yes, it's do exactly you know what I mean? They like, look nice. Yeah, see, they look, they do look picture, nice. But you try them, they try them, they don't work. And Martin, as a voter, I mean, so you, you wouldn't describe yourself as a particularly a Tory voter, more of a sort of undecided fence sitter. Yeah, I mean, I float above it all. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll take things yeah. as they come to me. I voted um, Jeffrey Corbyn because um, I wanted free broadband. Do you know what I mean? Just sounded good to me because Virgin had just put my bill up. So, you know, that was, I voted 
Jeffrey Corbyn for, because because of that. Well, well, look, Martin, Liz, Liz Truss did talk about she she talked about in her speech about giving everybody wherever they are phone signal, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? Surely that appeals to you. Um, not bad, but there's you know there's times that you do want to get away. Do you know what I mean? There are times when you do want to be able to say to your wife, "I'm sorry, I've lost phone signal." Mm-hmm. And for that to be a credible thing. Right, you, so if, if that, right. Us, right, so that didn't really appeal to you. To, if we get to a point where we've got 100% in coverage in the country, then that's no longer an excuse. Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, yes. yes. We all need a place to go when things get too tough at home. We all need a place where we're, to go where we're not contactable. Maybe that would be in her bigger manifesto, though, because in a yeah. speech, you only have so much amount of time. I mean, she only had an allotted 25 minutes that actually went on uh, for, for um, 40. But you can't fit in everything. And I'm sure that would have been in the small print. It was 25 minutes on paper, but because of the laughs, it got to 40, do you see? Yes, yes, lots of laughs. Martin from Exeter. Thank you so much on the line. It's very good. We don't often speak to the general public on this show. And, you know, we forget that there are people at home watching the Tory conference asking very real questions like, is this for me or what pie is growing and how? Well, thank you for having me on your show. Long time listener. Sixth time caller, actually. I've tried to get through a number of times and know what. This is the first time anyone's actually let me on, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Well, Martin, I'm sure sure we'll let you on again. We certainly will. It's been a pleasure having you on, Martin. Uh, From one Martin to another, um, uh, just uh, enjoy it. uh, From um, what I'm trying to say is just... I'm going to put you out of your misery. There's somebody at the door. Oh, I've got really? a delivery. Okay. So, That's fair Martin, do you want to finish that quip when he's, when he's gone? Well, it's been three days, Martin. Have you finished that quip yet? Ah, uh, well, it, it, it's um, uh, it, no. Right. No. Okay. Uh, Now, we had a very interesting discussion with Ishan this week on Is Dreams Woke? Really quite philosophical, this one, wasn't it, Martin? Yes, yeah. I mean, I do always bulk a little when we have to say, like, you know, things like Is Dreams Woke? The the scansion there for me doesn't... I don't think that's grammatically correct. But um, it was an interesting chat anyway, and he certainly had some opinions. Akbar, as our diversity hire, uh, what do you make of uh, this week's topic, which is dreams? Is it woke? Um, I'm sorry, I I reject the premise of the question. Sorry, what? What what do you mean? I I, I don't think you framed the question correctly, because for a start, Mm -hmm. I'm not the diversity hire, I'm the diversity correspondent. Right. Okay. Okay. We did talk about that. Last week, totally understand. Uh, yeah, the title. Sorry, important. yes, producer Martin. We have any? I mean, we asked for some. Some. Um, if anyone wanted to give Ishan a different title, did we? Did we get any anywhere with well, that? Th- there's been a lot of uh, things said on the internet. Most of them, I um, it was caught in my filter because I have keywords that I don't 
enjoy reading but uh one that we we i did come up with actually uh, was perhaps um a senior hmm? senior mm-hmm. immigration correspondent because i obviously oh. it's been in the news a lot and it continues to be there and i thought this is uh it's a senior role for a senior person yeah no i don't know i don't like it because i mean that i mean the acronym is sick isn't it? I don't. But isn't that isn't that supposed to be a good thing with the young people? I think that's a good thing. Well, he, he, perhaps, he perhaps, but I don't. What about if and also, I don't believe the demographic of this show is to young people? I feel the demographic of this show is kind of post-retirement. No, 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 no. Sorry, we cater to a, a wide range of ages, uh, opinions. Uh, appearances, uh, I, I, all sorts. I feel also, like there's no checkboxes on the census forms for the people that listen to this. Oh, come on. And what a load of rubbish. Look, I think it's great that Fine. you've now been promoted to sick. So I like that. Um, Ishan, sick of non-censored. There we go. Thank you. I, I am sick of non-censored. You're absolutely right. Uh, so going back to your pre- initial question, it was about dreams. Now, dreams are one of those things that I think... As a society, we tend to look down upon, uh, particularly in the UK. Um, Certainly, you know, women are famed for oversharing their dreams with their partners. We do do Uh, that. Yes, all of us. And you tend to get angry with men for (laughs) what they do in the dreams. That happens a lot. We're such nags. We're such nags. Yeah, honestly. So I think dreams have got a bit of a terrible reputation. But sometimes in recent months, actually, I've begun to realise that perhaps dreams aren't nearly as as woke as I would have imagined, as people share with me kind of some really real passionate things that they want from them. Recently, I was speaking to someone who told me that she she had a dream of of leaving her her husband, who is um, right. a, a a producer on a, on a radio show, and yeah. uh, bring their dog and move in with me. That- this, this all sounds yeah. very uh, no. I'm sure. It, just uh, sorry. What were you saying this week, Suella Braverman? Yes. And what a what a best lawyer, best a, lawyer in the world. What a what a Braverman she is. Yes. She said that her dream, her dream, a dream, not nay, not just a dream, but an obsession, is Beautiful. to see on the front page of the Daily Telegraph one of yes. the greatest institutions in British journalism to see on the front page a plane full of migrants flying to Rwanda. Now, irrespective of the camera work required to show a plane flying actually to Rwanda, I think you can only really capture a plane on takeoff or landing without actually knowing the exact place it's going to. You could take a picture of, of any plane because there might you won't be able to see the passengers because photographers aren't allowed on the runway. But right. irrespective of the logistics of the situation, the fact that Suella Braverman was able to share this huge dream of hers, which could be a reality, made me realise, you know, dreams aren't woke. Dreams are there because they're steeped in reality. And if you dream something, you should be able to see it on the front page of the Daily Telegraph, when Martin Luther King dreamed the dream he dreamt, he would have loved to have seen a black and white picture 
on yes. the front of the Daily Telegraph. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You it, you instantly think of Martin Luther King when you think of him. We, we all think he's wonderful. And I think Martin Luther King would have loved, would have loved this dream, this dream of yes. a plane taking these these people away to sunny Rwanda. Because, uh, of course, when, yeah. when Martin Luther King was active, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people who may have been not white may not have been allowed on planes. Yes. And now... You can fly plane loads of them. Yes. To far flung countries. It's um, lovely. It's lovely. It's such a nice. Came true. I have to ch- uh, chirp in here. I know um, I'm, you know, often bringing the, the, the counter offensive to whatever Ishan is saying, but uh, I think I can speak. It is offensive. You're right. It is very offensive. As, as a Martin about another Martin's dream, that just because you have a dream, it doesn't mean that it's something that you want to happen. I recently have been having some very terrifying dreams where I'm being chased by uh, a variety of animals and they're not happy with me. I don't know if I've got, like, they, you know, want to eat me. Yes, but but that's not a dream, Martin. You see, that's a nightmare. They're different things. What kind of animals are they, Martin? Well, I mean, it's hard to put a put an exact thumb on what they are. I mean, they shouldn't be let loose. I mean, they're, they're big dogs, largely, but sometimes they have the faces of other animals. There was a duck. Wolves? No, I mean, again, the, the things that happen in a dream, I find aren't... So always... A wolf with a duck's face? Yes. yes Martin, it sounds like... It sounds like you've been eating cheese before you go to bed. Well, I've been spending... Would you rather be chased by a wolf with a duck's face or a duck with a wolf's face? I mean, personally, That's having had question. these dreams, I'd rather not be chased at all. Part, part of the, the terror does come from the chase itself. I've definitely been spending a bit I too much I think you could outrun a duck. Ponds. Well, thank you, Ishan. I, I mean, and I, I think in most... You wouldn't be able to outrun a wolf. Well, you know, a small wolf, I reckon I'd fancy my chances, but I wouldn't want to take that risk. Hmm. But, I mean... Ducks actually can run quite fast. I feel like we're getting distracted here. The point is that just because you dream it doesn't mean that you want it. Um, It can just be something... So, Martin, you don't think she wants to to take away the the immigrants in in a plane? Well, I think the key difference here is that um, she said it was a dream, but then she also said it was an obsession. So Yes, uh, it's an obsession, Suella, which is not always a good thing, is it, an obsession? I mean, immigrants on a plane sounds like a follow-up to the Samuel L. Jackson film Snakes on a Plane. That'd oh, God, wouldn't that be funny? Someone needs to make that. You should Someone do it, Ishan, with your comedy jobs. Yeah, maybe I should. Yes. I shall pitch this. Immigrants on a plane. You're, yes. you're, you're a man flying, and then all these immigrants turn up on the plane. You're like, oh, ah! Oh my goodness! I mean, oh, and then who just... would Suella Braverman be in? Would she be in it? I, I, yeah, presumably. I don't know. Maybe she'd be. She the could pilot be the sort of Samuel Jackson part because you know, instead she, of a cop, she's just a she, badass lawyer. Yeah, she has to. Yeah. yeah, she has to fight off these immigrants who are yes. slithering, or, slithering around on the plane. Should, surely she'd oh, be the person to put brilliant. all the absolutely immigrants brilliant. on the plane. That's. I mean, it would just be her living her uh, dream. Yes. Well, I don't know, Martin. I don't think you really understand about films. Where like, I don't think I'm... you understand about comedy. Yes, I'm. I'm yeah. the comedian. He knows. The he knows this stuff. See, Harriet, it, it has now become my dream. Yes. To see a poster of this film, "Immigrants on a Plane," on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. In fact, 
it has now become my obsession. Next time on a very spooky fine dining podcast, the season one finale, TGI Fridays, the 13th. Oh, you betcha. Pineapple's going to hit the fan as Michael's son, Juicy, or in this episode, Juice son, Voorhees, <laughs> goes on a murderous rampage and no one is safe. It gets real spooky. It gets real bloody. And not everyone's going to make it to the end of the episode. Who will live? Who will die? Listen to Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. Break down a trip to TGI Fridays based on the atmosphere, the service, and the food. And try not to be scared to death. Hear the thrilling finale of Fine Dining, Wednesday, October 25th, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, on the 10th of October, I have to mention it is World Mental Health Day. So we got on as our guest this week, uh, writer, campaigner and broadcaster, Natasha Devon. Um, she, we talked about many things. Uh, I thought it was very brave of me, Martin, actually, to talk to someone like this. Can I just say? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Because you start pulling that, you know, that, that thread and you know what's good. You might end up looking at your own mental health. You don't want to do that, do you? Oh, no. You, don't talk to anyone about that because it'll, it'll all come out. You're all right. I, I, Actually, I, I don't I, care. I, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't. Um, now, Natasha talked to us about many things. Also, her new novel, which is out now, it's called Toxic. We talked a lot about that, Martin, didn't we? About toxic friendships, toxic relationships. Oh, um, yes. It was great. Oh, yes. Love a toxic friendship, I do. No, I don't think that's the way that you meant to do it. It's Absolutely wonderful. Um, Natasha Devon, welcome to the show. I'll be completely transparent. My producer uh, said we have to do something on mental health. So we got you in. So thank you for coming on. Really appreciate that. that um, I suppose I, I, I should I be thanking your producer for, for having me. Oh, no, uh, we're, well, we're very, we're very uh, privileged and honoured to have you on. Thank you, Natasha. <laughs> we can't stress how important it is. I don't think thanking our producer is a very good idea, actually. I, I mean, we talk about mental health. I don't think it's good for his mental health. It just, it just makes it more sort of um, active. It's better to just dampen it a bit. And Natasha, I suppose what I want to start talking about is, so you you founded um, MH Media, which scrutinises the way media reports on mental health. You've worked with Mental Health First Aid England. What is your obsession? with mental health? Well, I suppose it comes from my own experience of having had mental health issues throughout my life and not having the nomenclature to be able to explain what was going on and, and not having people around me who understood it. So I wanted to educate young people and teachers and parents so that we could have a, a healthier conversation about things which will Ultimately, as scientists think, affects about half of us during our, our lifetimes. Yes, but don't you think 
that we've we've got away from the good stiff upper lip that we used to practice. I mean, it's all got a bit wokey now, isn't it? Don't you think the fact that we talk about it just makes it worse? It's all a bit. I just think, why not? If you're feeling sad, just have a drink. Well, I think sometimes people confuse having a name for something or the ability to discuss something or having started measuring something as the same as it getting worse. So when you take things like anxiety, depression, eating disorders, addiction, these things weren't really discussed historically and they weren't measured in the same way as they are today. But just because we can see the statistics rising now because we understand more about them doesn't mean that they didn't happen to people in the past. They just found different coping strategies, which as you've just hit upon one, self-medicating with alcohol, most mental health experts would agree is not the best way to to deal with. Sorry, Natasha, I'm going to stop you there because this sounds like you're rewriting history which I know wokey people like to do, but sort of saying, oh, no, actually, these people were depressed, when actually maybe they were painting a picture they weren't happy with it, so they cut their ear off. These things shouldn't be analysed. You know, like this sort of putting the modern standards of today on the historical figures. So, And how does that help us? It's a very interesting way of looking at it, I think when you know a little bit about what what the symptoms of conditions like depression are, you can recognize when somebody is trying to communicate that in a, a different way. And I do a lot of work with researchers in this area who travel the world. They go to countries where they still don't recognize depression or anxiety, but because they are mental health professionals, they can see people exhibiting symptoms of it. But do you think it's a bit like institutional racism? Does it really exist if you can't see it? Well, it something exists if people can feel the effects of it and if certain groups in society disproportionately feel the effects of it, which I mean, it's interesting that you've brought up institutional racism because when you look at mental health statistics, there are very distinct patterns in the way that issues affect different demographics in society. And people who experience racism are much more likely to experience certain mental health issues because of the trauma associated with being discriminated against. Well, what about also, you know, people who are just thinking off off the top of my head here, but Lawrence Fox, who has been persecuted because of his privilege, uh, his upbringing, the colour of his skin. I mean, he's probably disproportionately affected as well, isn't he? I don't think that somebody drawing attention to your privilege is the same as being persecuted for your privilege. I I, I well, think, I mean, it, it's very important not to diagnose people remotely, particularly when you don't have intimate access to them. But if Lawrence Fox does have mental health issues, I'm, I'm going to say that that's not because people have challenged him on his views. Right. It's just, you know, I have some sympathy for, for Lawrence Fox because I too... You know, I grew up and a lot of people said, oh, she's so, you know, amazing and privileged and pretty and wonderful. And they didn't realize that actually life was very tough for me too. I mean, I grew up in, in, um, where we had a very small garden and we had a very ugly dog. And that was very hard for me growing up. And so sometimes when I hear, oh, it disproportionately affects this person and that person, I think, well, I've suffered. I've suffered and I don't complain about it. And I certainly, if I'm feeling sad, I just have a glass of rosé and um, 
have do a go at Martin. Do you think that having a small garden and an ugly dog is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? It was. Thank you, Natasha. It it was it was quite hard. Yes, it was quite hard. I mean, it was a really, it was a really very ugly dog. I I think as much as obviously that experience has stayed with you, that probably is is a symptom. Yes. Of privilege. If that's the worst memory that you uh, can recall, that's probably that would indicate that you've been very lucky, don't you think? Well, I've, well, I'm sorry. I I I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I've I've just shared quite a traumatic memory, and yet apparently it doesn't fit the bill. Well, I mean, if you're still struggling to process it, I'm I'm sure that being as you just self-describe incredibly successful and 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 having a, a career that you're obviously Thank very you. proud of. Hopefully that's yes. that has given you the yeah. the expendable income to be able to afford some therapy, maybe to work through those feelings. I've been able to afford a better looking dog. So I think that in, in its way is the same sort of thing. Though I didn't really like it to be honest. So I gave it to Martin and, and my, my sister who Martin's married to. But what I do want to touch on, Natasha, is obviously in, in, in popular culture at the moment, there's quite a lot of sore losers, but actually you're a sore winner, aren't you? Because you talk about mental health and mental health a lot in youth, but you were the first ever, I believe, a mental health champion for schools. But you were also, I think, the last because you you won. You cured it. The the government stopped um, it. So why are you still going on about it? Well, it's sorted. And that's not exactly how it happened. There's quite a few things there that I would say are inaccurate about your assessment of what happened. Yes, I I was I was right. given the role of the government's first ever mental health champion in August of 2015, and a freedom of information request that I have done found that because I consequently criticised government policy, particularly austerity and school and education policy and, and the way that it was impacting young people's mental health, yeah. I was fired the following May. So I lasted about nine months. I have uh, now been replaced by Dr. Alex George from Love Island, who is the second children's mental health oh, champion. Wonderful. And um, uh, obviously a lot more what they were looking for. Qualified. Uh, I mean, he's done lots of uh, work, like on Love Island. They weren't very nice to him about his um, inability to tan, which I imagine kind of trumps, actually, Natasha, if you don't mind me saying, all your work with all these little wokey charities. Uh, I can tan better than Dr. Alex George. That's perhaps something you've yes, you've identified. Yeah, and maybe I should um, I should think about that. I'd say, if you don't mind me saying, that perhaps what you shouldn't have done there was being mean about the boss. If you're going to be mean about the boss, what did you think was going to happen? Well, I thought maybe since I am involved in all of these charities, as you've quite rightly pointed out, and I have the, the privilege of working with some of the world's leading experts, as well as going into three schools a week throughout the UK, that perhaps my perspective might have been valuable to the government and they might have rethought some of their policies in light of the the evidence that I was providing them with, but that didn't happen. No, no, you've got all this wrong. Natasha, I was wondering if I could just ask you a question, um, actually on the subject of the sort of, um, I suppose, uh, uh, abusive relationships within within a hierarchy or a workplace. Um, I I have a, a friend who um, is, is a, a, a producer, let's call him producer Marvin, 
and uh, he's he's in a, a bit of a tricky situation. I mean, he's, he's he 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 works for um well on on a, a quite a well known uh, radio show and, and, and podcast, and 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 the person that he works with is is quite verbally abusive to him on on a regular basis. Um, has forgotten his birthday for the last four or five years. Um, makes him pay for all of her Ubers. Um, is this is this something that um, you know? What would you advise in order to sort of help 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 him out? Well, I mean, it, it's obvious. I, I think that anybody that would affect their their self esteem yeah. and their confidence, both of which are are closely connected to mental well being. But I think um, it sounds like your friend has a boss who perhaps that wouldn't be the way to persuade them to behave differently. And um, I'm involved in a campaign called Where's Your Head At, which looks at mental health in the workplace. And and there's really strong evidence to show now that if you appreciate your employees, if you recognize their talents, if you say thank you, if you treat them well, if you allow them to have a good standard of living, if you allow them to bring their whole self to work, that, that improves productivity and the bottom line. Um, so maybe the way to go would be to show them some of the evidence around how that will benefit their business, um, because it sounds like that would be the more persuasive yes. argument. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just playing devil's advocate. It sounds like your friend Marvin well, that, needs I mean, to man hmm. up. I'll, I'll I'll pass on both both uh, pieces. You can pass us. that on. I mean, that, you can pass that, it on. I have to sort of pick you up on that, Harriet. That's man up. That lots of people have said that that's a really unhelpful phrase because we do have a, an, an issue in this country. Men are three times more likely to end their life by suicide than women. And that's because there are expectations placed on men to not speak about their feelings and and not ask for help. And so telling somebody to man up sort of plays into to that phenomenon, I think. But but what if they do need to man up? Or, or what about instead well, again, if I said... Grow some balls. Your friend Marvin needs to grow some balls. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different way of saying much the same thing, isn't it? I'm not sure if we're allowed to say balls on air. I'll I'll, I'll see whether that can make the edit. I'll I'll, I'll just check that out now. We are talking about mental health, though, which is a sensitive topic. So you do have to keep in the sensitive things. We'll just put a trigger warning at the top. Say, if you don't like balls. Sure, I'll I'll, uh, uh, make sure that's a note on the programme. Uh, now, Natasha, I do want to talk about your book. Uh, you've got a book coming out called Toxic, I believe. It's out. It's out. Oh, I say. So please do sort of tell tell our listeners a bit what it's about. Well, a, a big part of my work in schools is doing focus groups with teenagers and finding out if there are any barriers to them uh, performing as well as they would like to academically, as well as to them being happy and healthy and feeling fulfilled and a a big, um, I guess, theme that was emerging from these focus groups was young women in particular, although not exclusively, talking about toxic friendships. And there's been a change to the curriculum recently where they they learn about coercive control and red flags in romantic relationships. They learn about emotional abuse in that context. But I think a lot of them wanted to hear about it in a platonic context. You know, what do you do when it's somebody who is your friend that is bullying you, essentially. So um, I decided that that would be a a topic that 
could be explored in fiction, I think, much more effectively than creating a class, which is what I would normally do. And and that's where the idea for, for Toxic came from. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about these two girls who are friends. And one of them is really cool and pretty. And she helps the other one by advising her how to diet and maybe telling her when she's being a bit of an idiot. And the the other one is is a bit of a drag and therefore a bit toxic. And actually the sort, sort of pretty one needs to realise that this isn't a healthy relationship. That's not quite the plot. So the, the plot actually is about a 17-year-old girl called Luella who is at school in, it's a 97% white school, a kind of 95% white town, which do still exist in, in some places in England. And she is of mixed heritage. She's a, a little bit, larger than the other girls she's very tall and um, there are all of all of these reasons why she feels that she doesn't fit in she feels like a bit of a square peg and then in the final year of her education in in upper sixth uh, another girl joins who is also of mixed heritage but she's from east london and she wears her difference proudly and she is through luella's eyes very beautiful and very cool and Luella sees in her something that she finds very compelling and they form this very tight bond. But then as the story progresses, Luella realises that Aretha, the other character, is not quite what she seems and she starts to become very manipulative, which has an, an impact on Luella's mental health. Right. Right. I, yes, I slightly misunderstood the, the plot there because I saw when I was reading about it, it reminded me of my my friendship with uh, my friend Sally. Um, Sally's very plain. I, I'm She sometimes listens to this, so I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. And when she comes round for, for dinner, um, we all have kettle chips and honey. Um, but we we give Sally carrots because we're trying to help, and I think she could look better if she had more more carrots. Um, now, that's that's just helping, isn't it? It's just it's just trying to help Sally out. Hello, Sally, if you're listening. Well, I I think what what you're doing there is perhaps highlighting something that Sally might herself have a sensitivity about. You are emphasizing that difference. You're making her feel excluded and isolated. And a lot of people would. But what if she should feel excluded and isolated? I mean, some people should. I don't think they? so. I think if you're someone's friend, then you mm. accept them for how they are and you, you celebrate them for, for but who they are. They're an but, but Natasha, what if they're an inferior friend and therefore should probably be aware of it? Well, I... I I don't know what you mean by inferior. What What do you mean? Sort of not as good, not as good. Uh, a bit, a bit. Sort of where you see them, you go, oh well. I suppose it'll be nice to have them around because they'll make me feel better. Um, but ultimately, um, they they're not they're not all that. Well, I think what. My reading of what's happened here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that that you've right. internalised quite a few ideas about what it means to be a superior human being that have have come from the culture that we live in and the society that we live in, but aren't really based on on anything other than that. And people come in all different sorts of shapes and sizes. They're all perfectly healthy. They're all attractive to someone, 
And I think that what we should be doing is is making people feel comfortable and celebrated. And in fact, again, there's there's a lot of evidence to show that people who like and respect themselves naturally live healthier lifestyles because they they aren't their driving motivators aren't things like guilt and shame. So perhaps if your friend Sally, you know, some people do want to to lose weight, and if that's a, a genuine mo- motivation and goal that she has. If you were to support her by making her feel loved, she would gravitate towards healthier behaviours anyway. Well, also, I think she'd admire me because I don't feel guilt and shame. So I think she could learn from that as well. So that's that's nice. Sorry, Producer Martin. Yes, yeah, Natasha, we, we have here actually uh, three examples. Obviously, toxic relationships have been really in the media quite a lot lately. We had the uh, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, which, uh, you know, brought a lot of light to that. There's also been a lot going on on Love Island. Um, I was just going to give you three descriptions of, of, of some famous uh, relationships. And I thought maybe you could tell me whether you think it's it's toxic or not. Okay, so um, first of all, if if he doesn't want his friends to see you together... Uh, tries to pressure you into having sex and then makes you change your entire wardrobe just to fit his style. Do you think that's... Uh... Uh, yeah, well, that's that's an abusive relationship. I mean, it, obviously, toxicity has various different... Um, it's on a sliding scale and there's toxicity within friendship and then there's a very controlling coercive relationship and i would say that what you've just described fits the the latter that that is danny zuko and sandra d there which is it's it's sad to hear but i think i think we all saw it coming to be honest that's producer martin they they sing in that that's a different thing if they sing that it doesn't it it doesn't matter and we we have another another example here um he, he keeps tabs on when you're sleeping, he keeps tabs on when you're awake. He keeps a list, making making sure whether you're bad or good, and and um, and he only visits once a year. Yeah, so that sounds pretty toxic to me. That's Santa mm. Claus with everyone, really, isn't it? It's- uh, yeah, I think we do need to have some conversations about the messages that that children get when they're taught about Santa. Well, it's it, you know, it's just sometimes under the, under the light when you really take a look at things, you do realise what's there hiding in plain sight. And um... Martin, literally, I don't know what the point of view is. So, I, I guess my my final uh, question, really, on on coercive control is. Everyone loves a bad boy, don't they? And and you know we all like a bit of oh oh what's this? We're getting gaslit, all oh, breadcrumbing. It's all you know. It's all sort of a bit exciting. So are we worried that with this talk about coercive control and what's bad, we're just leaving women to deal with these sort of rather wet, um, rather wet men who aren't very fun, who? Aren't you know your Fifty Shades, your uh, your uh, Steven Seagal, and are instead a sort of you know like a kind of Martin type figure? I mean, is what are we turning men into? Necessarily specific, but sorry. Sorry, Martin. It's just I could see you. I don't want you to think I you know not not all not all Martins. I mean, again, I I think. For a long time, we've been fed a narrative through through media, through Hollywood, through novels that tell us that these so-called bad boys 
can be tamed if only they they're in the right relationship with the right woman and that the onus is put on women to to fix them and and when you talk to to women's charities or anybody who has any expertise in this area they'll tell you that that's that's not the case that when a person perpetuates toxic behavior they they do that consistently until they they sort of do a bit of introspection and and sort themselves out. So you you can't be someone else's heroine. They have to save themselves. And and I think if we have more emotionally aware, emotionally articulate, thoughtful, considerate men, that's something that we should really be celebrating. Lovely. Well, I I could I couldn't agree with the, with the articulate men. I think we've got a lot of them at the moment. Um, Piers Morgan just you know people like that really kind of in the forefront of, of the British media. Uh, Natasha, it's it's been it's been illuminating. Thank you for your your um, mental health advice. I think, for the sake of balance, I'd like to to thank myself as well because I feel I've really also contributed to this chat, and I think our listeners will get a lot out of it. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, uh, Natasha. Sure. If I could ask you just one one last one last toxic or non toxic, okay? Um, oh, we're, comes, we're going with this, are we? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he comes home stinking of rotten fish. He destroys your house and the houses of everyone else in your city, and he is literally Godzilla. Oh God, Martin. That's toxic yeah. or non toxic? I d- I wouldn't advise anybody to to get into a relationship with Godzilla. I don't think. Okay, well. Heard it here first. (laughs) Well, that's the show. Uh, Please, please, please do subscribe. Um, Give us a... What stars are we asking for, Martin? We want five. We want five-star review. It really does help. It helps people find us. Why not? And and then all people are more likely to read your little comment. So you could, if you're very clever, sneak in a secret message. Um, something like, I really enjoyed the show. Uh, producer Martin is doing a great job. Uh, keep it up and carry on. And right, the secret I, message I would be the producer Martin's doing a great job. But I get it. I receive it because you yeah. clicked five stars. <laughs> okay, I, I, I worry that you put people off with things like that, Martin. Anyway, um, we, we will be here again next week. Do join in with thanks to... Rosie Holt, Brendan Murphy, Ishan Akbar, Suze Kempner, Fergus Craig, Ed Morrish, and our special guest, Natasha Devon. See you next week for some more Non-Censored. <laughs> <laughs>